Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With Callum and Johnny. Bugger me, you milk this, don't you? <laughs> but it's the best bit of the show, some would say. So. It really is. I really I enjoy looking for my moment to jump in every week. <laughs> it's become a thing. <laughs> to try and pull to me down. And... But you can't pull me down because, you know, when you've got these smooth jazz Do you get knocked down and then get up again? There's nothing that's going to take you down. I don't think that's the lyrics, is it? No, I mix it up a bit. Makes it the last bit anyway it doesn't matter who are you uh i am callum shit uh who am i then i guess i'm i'm johnny then well maybe it's gonna be confusing for first time listeners for first time listeners i'm johnny and he's callum but everyone else you get the drill or are we uravu indeed that's a very niche um joke that Yes, very yeah, do you get it? I don't think I do. Is it a reference to something? Shooting stars. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that in ages. Jesus. <laughs> Which, for those that don't know, is a really surreal British quote-unquote game show, but not Lost really. Lost all of the audience. Kind of like a proto-taskmaster, I guess. Yeah, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Yeah. But anyway, that is by the by. Yes. Um, if people want to, in between our episodes, though, hear our random ramblings um, and thoughts and ideas and photos and things, where would they go? You just go to Untitled Film Podcast on either Instagram or Facebook, and we're going to jazz it up a bit from now on. Uh, we've had <laughs> been saying since the new year. We but... Have, uh, but we had a meeting this morning, <laughs> and we kind of came up with a bit of a timeline of events, and we're going to put more fun things in. I think probably starting from this weekend. So I think we'll stick to the regular schedule. Well, I'll put out a tease on a Tuesday and an episode uh, link on a Thursday. But after that, it will be different. So just look forward to that. Uh, but yes, 
And where else can they find this podcast that's not through audio-only means? Well, you can find us on the wonderful platform called YouTube, where if you really can't figure out this whole podcast malarkey, it's there for you, just like a YouTube video. And I think in the not-too-distant future, there may be some new things coming to YouTubes as well. Um, But no promises of how soon. I have to Uh, say hi, Mum, on those, because I'm pretty sure that's how Mum listens to this podcast, because I don't think she quite figures out how to do the whole Spotify thing. Um, It just doesn't work for her on on the phone that she has uh yes so hi mum on youtube hi callum's mum <laughs> i hope you're well i uh, hope durham's treating you well uh, anyway on to um the next part of the show now Business. we've done now we've done all the um the, the nonsense yeah dotted the dotted the i's cross the t's that kind of dotted the lowercase j's absolutely um and we're going to move on to something we like to call the news. We do like to call it that. And as last week, Callum, I went first. I think this week it is your turn to go first. Okie dokie. Uh, well, the uh, first bit of news I have is that uh, fresh off The Last of Us, um, Bella Ramsey, who is tearing up the screen, is has got their next role in a movie called Monstrous Beauty, which is going to be directed and uh, written by... Um, Romola Gray, who uh, one uh, people might know from uh, Atonement and The Hour uh, as an actor. I'm not sure if she's got a great deal of uh, credits as a director, so this should be exciting to see. And it's about a playwright who was working in the court of King Charles II, who suffered from a rare condition that means her body is entirely covered in hair. And it's also going to be co- uh, co-starring Dominic West, Ruth Negger, uh, Fiona Shaw, and it's going to be produced by Hanway Pictures. So, you know, it looks like a prestige film, lots of costumes, expects BAFTAs and nothing else. And it's probably get a 78 on Rotten Tomatoes with a mm. 6.4 average rating where people says, pretty respectable that was. Pretty respectable. Well, I look forward to it. Yeah, I really like um, Bella Ramsey. They're doing really cool things. And uh I've heard they're really great in The Last of Us and they were also in um, a few films and Game of Thrones and they've been a very impressive talent, a one to watch for a while. So it looks like this is their kind of moment. Nice. Excellent. And what's your first piece of news? So somebody will probably be talking about at some length later in the podcast, Rosario Dawson has got a new show. Oh, cool. Have you seen what this show is, Callum? Um, I know that she was uh, going to be in an adaptation of the comic book DMC. Is it that? It is not. Oh, okay. Star Wars. Ooh. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Sorry to all Star Wars fans, I'm sure. Um, Ahsoka Tano, she's playing. I did that as in a, um, a Yoda speak there. Um, along in, in the new adaptation, it's kind of, she's she's popped up. I don't know if it was her that was playing it, actually. I should should know this really, but the character has popped up a couple of times so far in The Mandalorian and um, the Book of Baby Fett. And I know she was quite a big thing in the animated TV series. Um, but she is back in her own show, uh, also, also starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, and there's some quite other big names. Um, uh, David Tennant, who's played this robot in things before, is back as a robot. Uh, um, yeah. 
quite That's a cool. few big people. It's coming to Disney Plus in August, and it, yeah, it's a continuation of their many, many Star Wars TV universes. They fucked up the movie franchise and don't seem to be able to make any more of those. Yeah, I think they're going to be taking a bit of a break from those just just for a while until they can figure out how to best rinse it for all the money it's worth. If only they could do the same thing with Marvel. If only. If only. Yes. Yes. But we don't want to get into another Marvel <laughs> rant because it'll be a weekly occurrence. I think we should leave that till because uh, eventually uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, that's just around the corner. We should probably save all our Marvel rants until then. Even if we end up really, really liking that film, we, it will still have a narrative sort of uh, connection, a tissue, if you will. We'll see. I'm we'll sure see. I can fit some Marvel rants in between now and then. <laughs> so that's May, so that's just a month away. So we'll depends, see. If we, depends if we scratch ourselves together to watch um, uh, Black Panther 2 at Oh, any point. yeah. Yeah, we were going to do Black Panther 2. We have been saying it, but I just cannot be bothered to watch it and have been putting it off it's and off and really off. And every week work. thinking everything else to watch under the sun apart from it. So. Exactly. It's, uh, I find it really hard work. And yeah, I just I wouldn't recommend it. So that's a mini review there. Hard yeah. work wouldn't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So let's see. What do I have here? Um, so Apple lands Jonah Hill's... Um, Keanu Reeves-led dark comedy Outcome. So this is Jonah Hill's second film as a director after mm. he made mid-90s. And uh, apparently it's been a bit of a... I love mid-90s, by the way. Did you watch it? Uh, no, no, I still haven't. Still haven't. That's my mini-review, mid-90s. Loved it. Watch it. <laughs> so this is a dark comedy penned by Hill and co-writer Ezra Woods. And it will star Keanu Reeves as Reef, a damaged Hollywood star who must dive into the dark depths of his past to confront his demons and make amends after he is extorted with a mysterious video video clip from his past. So it sounds pretty fun. Yeah, pretty intriguing. And uh, apparently it was a bit of a bidding war, so Apple really went in hard. We've been talking a lot about Apple and their sort of more ambitious take on streaming. I think it's that it's just they go for quality, don't they? And obviously occasionally they miss, but they everything they go for, you can see why they've gone for it. When some of the stuff on Netflix, you're just like, really? Really? Yeah, they, is this they've the show you're going a with? Big old swing. I think I think that's always a good thing. Um, yeah, and I think it is. It, 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 uh, I've just started season two of Schmigadoon, which is excellent. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Season like three of Ted Lasso has been excellent so far. Better than the, I would say, more consistently high than season two. Well, season two is Although, a bit of a stumble for me, but um... my biggest, my biggest think takeaway from it though is that they seem to think West Ham is good in America and West Ham aren't good but for anyone who knows anything a slither about <laughs> but they football. do that a lot in Ted Lasso there's a lot of Americanisms in the in the writing and there's a lot of people saying I'm just walking five blocks to my house like what English person says that no English no. person but though these are minor things but still do you even know what West Ham is well I'm not a sports person so um, what, what do you think it is um I know it's a sports team but they're not supposed to be very good what kind of sport? Uh, I'm going to say the basketball. No, it's football. Okay. okay. I know that mean? much. <laughs> I well, mean, it's a I'm, show about football. I, I'm not convinced that you do sometimes. <laughs> 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 anyway. Um, although not as bad as you that suggested that you could walk from Royal Holloway to, I can't remember it was, it was like Camden or something in about five minutes. Did I? It would be, no, no, not you. Oh, you said you. Yeah, but the show you. Oh, oh, I see. I see. That could have been a really funny sketch then. Yeah. You said you. Yeah, you. <laughs> Who's yeah, on first? Not me. Who's yeah, Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, my 
piece of news number two, and you know that it's a really top-notch week for news, because I'm about to talk about box office. Way This is where we lose everyone. Super Mario, the movie, is smashing... I know. Like, animation movie, animated movie records, um, and uh, video game records. Like, they, they reckon it's a good chance it could be the number one movie of the year. It's going to be a, a busy time for um, Nintendo licenses from this point on, I think. It's interesting, though, because it's ha- it had quite lukewarm reviews. Like, the reviews for it have not been anywhere near as good as, say, Detective Pikachu, and which I know is a bit more niche. But it, and let's be honest, the animation doesn't look great, in, as does all well, It looks illumination. like an illumination, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the characters are quite ugly. Um, I suppose it has got quite an interesting cast, in a way. But I just don't. They don't seem right. The cast. I, I've I've never been anything about it. It's never like gone to me. Like yes, you must watch this movie. It looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I'm intrigued that it's it's got such a boost. Be interesting to see if it has legs or not. I'd love to see a Metroid Prime movie, but I think that might be too niche, even with this resurgence in interest. I could see it being like, like with like Last of Us coming out, maybe a TV series. Of that would something be cool. Like that. Yeah. That could could, could work. It is interesting because obviously for years and years and years and years and years, no one could make a video game movie that was good or made money. And they seem to have like semi-cracked it recently between the Sonic movies, um, Last of Us, Detective Pikachu, this now. Um, I I don't know if... um, I suppose it's in a similar state to where we were in like the early 2000s when they... Comic book movies. Yeah, with X-Men. And you only had Blade sort of holding things up on his own since 1990s Batman movies. I think what they kind of, I think what they did, they did with comics and they've done with this is that they've managed to take the characters and then maybe bits and pieces of story structure from video games slash comics, but then build, you know, build new stories and stories that work cinematically and work as film pacing oh i guarantee you it's they've taken the traditional three act structure hero's journey and just put a few cosmetic touches to make, i think to make the nerds happy whereas i think previously when they did it they either were they were like a, either a spec script that they then just glued on some characters like the original super mario with bob hoskins and stuff or they were more like a um they tried to keep it too close to the video games and i think that's probably where they went wrong in that they they didn't flesh them out properly as as you know have you ever seen the uh, jean-claude van damme street fighter game a movie yeah that's that's something that is something but it is basically just a jean-claude van damme it movie is. where they've kind of glued street fighter well, the fact that they bits. have guile as the main character because it's the one that jean-claude van damme can kind of feasibly do because yeah. he can't play he can't play ken because he's a he'd be a supporting role to a chinese actor um so they make him an american character even though he can't do anything but a belgian accent yeah well, <laughs> the less said about that movie the better well quite anyway um but i'm no, absolutely smashing the box office uh, quite unexpected from me um but yeah well well my... done to it well done to it indeed so Callum, i think that takes us on to the meat of the podcast yes it does indeed and uh the theme of this episode is going to be kevin smith because recently... who's he well for any sort of gen x slash 
um, elder millennial. He's sort of like the first guy you get into in indie films before you realize that there's a lot better stuff out there. Uh, him and Tim Burton. <laughs> and um, some of his films are pretty good. Tim Burton indie? Well, you know, in sort of that arty, I like cool movies sort of way when you're 14, you know? Okay. Um, and some of his films are pretty good. Some of them are pretty bad. bad. Some of them are really bad. And then you get some that fluctuate somewhere in between. And uh, we're going to be talking about the newest one. Uh, it's just come out on Amazon Prime here in the UK. Uh, Clerks 3, um, which uh, he's been beating that dead horse for a while. And then we're going to pair it with his kind of foray into, his first foray at least, into horror movies when he was trying to be a bit more ambitious in well, the early 2010s. I don't know if I would call it a horror movie. Well, we'll get into genre because it does seem to have a bit of an identity crisis. But that's, you know, don't want to spoil the review. That's to come. Uh, so, yeah, so starting with uh, Clerks 3. Um, should I take Clerks 3? Uh, I'll take Clerks 3 if you want, and then you can do. Okay. So, so I think what needs to be said before I start with Clerks 3 is I think you need a slightly wider context. So Clerks 1 was Kevin Smith's first movie. Um, it was shot at the convenience store that he used to work in, um, partially based on stories based around his customers, partially based around the kind of shit that Kevin Smith says, which is like rambling stories and thoughts about Star Wars, and kind of put into a day in the life of these two clerks in the, um, in the, the, the grocery store. It then spawned... <clears throat> what they call the View Askew universe. So Kevin Smith is from um, uh, from New Jersey, and he basically created this un interconnected universe with characters and, um, uh, and locations and stories and, uh, you know, background that kind of connects them together just about. The main two things that connect it together, though, are Jay and Silent Bob, uh, which spawned two movies of their own, Jane Silent Bob and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. No, Strange Silent Bob Strike Back is the first one. What's the yes, second it is, one? Uh, reboot. Reboot, sorry. Jane Silent Bob Reboot. Um, and then there was also Clerks 2, surprisingly, there's a Clerks 3, where it sees the, the same two characters working in a store called Moobies, which is something apart from Viewers Universe. It's their kind of version of McDonald's. And then <clears throat> in that, they add a host of new characters, most of whom make it through to Clerks 3. One who kind of makes it through to Clerks 3 is Rosario Dawson, linked from earlier today, in that other, earlier in the podcast. Clever, see, clever. See, <clears throat> who he falls in love with in Clerks 2 and is missing at the start of Clerks 3. And you wonder why. And quick, pretty quickly, you find out that she died very quickly after Clerks 2. We'll get into that a little bit later. So story of Clerks 3, uh, Dante and um, Randall, who are the, 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 the two clerks who've been in the first previous movies, have now bought the convenience store, or the quick stop that they used to work in, uh, and now work in there in a pretty aimless life. Very quickly into the story, Randall has a heart attack, a really big one. Uh, nearly dies. So he decides that he wants to make a movie of all the things that he, all the shit that he says and all the people that he sees in the quick stop on a daily basis. Is this sounding familiar to anyone? And that's the movie. 
So this is a very hard movie to to love, really. I think just going into it, because the thing about Kevin Smith is that he's very likable. He's become sort of the geek gadfly. You know, he's the kind of guy that you know all fountains of geek knowledge in Hollywood comes from him or is filtered through him at some point, and he just comes across as a sincere, likable guy. So you want to root for him. But he doesn't make it easy when he makes shit like this. So uh, the problem with Clerks, uh, just to put it into context of um, the, the, the first movie, the first movie was made on $20,000 when he was an aimless college dropout uh, and he decided to make this movie as a sort of last-ditch effort um, to make something. And, you know, it, it broke out. It went to the Sundance Film Festival and it was spiky and edgy. And the great thing about it is that it, it wasn't sentimental. It was just about these two guys talking riffing on things and at a time in the early to mid 90s when this was sort of the, the all the rage in american independent cinema of real conversations of smart aleck guys just kind of talking about nothing and it being very funny the problem with kevin smith is that his best instinct as a writer he'll write very believable funny dialogue but he has also become more sentimental with age and uh, as people will know, he's uh, or might know that he's a massive stoner in real life, and his which he wasn't when he started he his career. He, he became it's funny one because it's kind of ironic. around the Red State period, I think. Really. Yeah, because he ironically he wasn't, but he wrote the characters of Jay and Silent Bob as stoners, and which he plays Silent Bob, and then became a stoner later on. And it's very much. Um, Dampened I would his... argue when his output, the quality of his output exactly. dropped his, considerably. His, his output has gotten a lot worse. What I will say, though, is that his um, his his uh, sentimentality comes from a, from a sincere place. This isn't like Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, which is cynical and is kind of made by a, a used car salesman who knows that if I push this button at the right time, people cry and I get all the blue rinse as money. You know, he's not a grifter like um, like some people working, using sentiments in their work. He is, it, this all comes from an honest place and he did have a heart attack, much like the character of Randall. And the actor who plays Randall, Jeff Anderson, he's not an actor anymore. He's not trying to be an actor. He had to coax him out of retirement in order to get this film. That's why the the heart attack happens to Randall. That's why he gets the filmmaker plot. And it's just that the shame about it all is that you want to like these people because you do like the original Clerks and you have liked films from Kevin Smith before. And there's a lot of goodwill going into it, but it can't paste over the cracks that this is not a movie. This is like some very boring person showing you their family photos. Like, this is one when my kid was just two years old. There's so many montages of people crying and hugging and learning that I just found myself going, oh my God, stop. Because I, I don't have a high tolerance for that. And I don't want to kind of go in too harsh because there are, you know, there's the odd good joke. You like seeing Jay, you like seeing Bob, even though they've got worse as actors, because like I said, they're not actors. The guys that play um, uh, Dante and Randall, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson, you like them. So you want to go into it. And um, as uh, Johnny said, Rosario Dawson is in it, but it's the way that they use her. Um, they clearly only had her for a very short period. This didn't have a $5 million budget that the first, oh, sorry, the second Clerks film had. So they could only really get her for a day or two. So the way that they do it is they make her a kind of like a ghost that only Dante can see because she's, she's dead. Um, 
And it completely undermines the whole message of Clerks 2. Like, do you feel that? This is the first day of the rest of our lives when they buy the convenience store and everything's a happy ending. Not only does she die, the child that she was pregnant with, uh, uh, actually, no, I think she may have given birth at that point, but but uh, her and the child die. So it I think she died when she was pregnant. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Um, and so everything, it, it completely cuts the legs out. And unfortunately, it does make for a sour note at the end when they decide to do something that we can't spoil, where there seems to be a... Dante ghost uh, Rosario Dawson uh, Dante uh, live your dreams Dante and then the end of the film is quite antithetical to that message it's a very confused film about what it wants to be I think in a way I would just prefer Kevin Smith to make a half an hour montage with him crying over the top going this is when I made the first clerks I was so young then and this is when I made the second I would have much preferred that sincere though it may be i just don't have the stomach for hugging and crying and learning you know that's why i much prefer seinfeld to a lot of other comedies i just don't have that strong stomach for this kind of rampant sentimentality but johnny what did you think i liked it more than you did yeah um i think that's that's quite plain to see uh you know how do I describe how I liked it without giving it too much credit, but without being too mean? Um, I think there's the bones of an okay movie there. I think one of the things that really um, has taken me back about the last two or three Kevin Smith movies is, and especially considering I thought he was getting better at this, is I think they were really poorly shot and poorly edited and poorly put together. Um, they almost felt felt like movies that someone made and put on YouTube. Like they felt like you know, like a ninety minute fan fiction almost. Um, whereas this did feel to me like a proper movie. Um, so I do think it was a step forward in that point of view. I kind of there's a part of me that quite liked, it, and if if it had worked better, would have quite liked the meta ness of the script. I actually thought that was fun. Um, and yeah obviously it is it's such a fan service movie it is for his fans it's not for anyone else and i think you need to take that into account to an extent having said that it it doesn't work as a whole it doesn't work it is um it's not it's not funny enough for a comedy it's not serious enough for a drama it it doesn't really, it has a bit of an identity crisis. Does it want to be this kind of serious movie about a guy almost dying um, and then another guy whose girlfriend's died and then both having a bit of reckonings in their lives and trying to put it back together and, you know, doing that by making this movie? Or does it want to be a, um, does it want to be a Kevin Smith comedy like the, the first couple which are a bit gross and a bit silly with a couple of heartwarming moments maybe or does it want to just be fan service does it want to be a one hour fan fiction and i think that's the problem i don't think it quite knows what it wants to be and because of that it has an identity crisis and then i think it really starts to come unstuck towards the end and i think the end just doesn't work for me i think like you said it it's kind of telling you like, oh, it's these people, they're doing a new start, they're doing bloody, bloody, blah. And I don't want to give the ending away, but the ending doesn't fit in with that philosophy very well. And it doesn't really connect with his life. And the only way, reason I can think they did the ending they did was because it finishes off a trilogy. 
but that's a really lazy reason to do what they did at the end of it. Um, so I, I don't think it, it doesn't hold together. It doesn't work as a movie, but I did laugh a few times. I did. I do enjoy watching those characters, and I do think it felt more like a movie than than a lot of Kevin's. Like Jane Silent Bob reboot did not feel like a movie. It felt like clips of fans. It, it felt like Kevin managed to go. Oh, I've got Ben Affleck in the room for two hours. Let's do something fun with Ben, and then I've got so and so in the room for two hours, and it just didn't work as a as a movie. It didn't look good. It, it looked like something someone would have done as a skit for SNL or on YouTube or something. Whereas this did feel like a movie, just not a very good one. So it's funny you should say that you felt this one felt like a movie because I really didn't feel it did. I, I felt like it, you know, it was long, boring conversations. That's that, a Kevin Smith movie. I know that is Kevin Smith, but <laughs> usually at least when he, well, at least prior to Weed, um, his conversations always drove on to the next scene. So even in Clerks, they're talking about nonsense about Star Wars. But then it goes on to, did you know that uh, my old girlfriend is getting married? It, it at least kept to a three-act structure. He knew how to cobble together something which was coherent. I've, I remember texting you after it was, was done going, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. It just, nothing seemed to connect to anything. And it just felt like... I don't know if I'd agree with it being that boring. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's a short movie. I did think it could be shorter, the but I don't think is, I thought okay. it was boring. Yeah, I'll give it that the length is kind of, you know, it's a snappy sort of 80-something minutes. So, And um, I've never felt uh, bad about uh, Kevin Smith, the editor. He knows, unlike, say, Robert Rodriguez, who also edits his own movies, Kevin Smith knows how to usually, at least, make a coherent film. And that's something I can give him. And this is coherent. It's just, I just found it really dull and sort of like and you know and the only thing i can give him really is that well he means this and i felt i remember yeah, to you about uh jay and silent bob reboot i felt like it was nice to see a gen x where every kind of in gen x and boomer seems to be like oh, this generation of young people is the worstest generation ever it was nice to see a director who's like you know what this group of young people they're really cool aren't they and it was nice. I liked that about Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Is that I didn't really like the film, but I liked that he seemed to nothing that he does seems to come from a place of malice. And so mm. I can't absolutely He's just a positive guy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. And um, I just I like him a lot. So I, I want to sort of say that whatever he makes next, even if he doesn't make another movie again, because I think he's sort of more in the sort of a TV episode for hire sort of director now. I think he's sort of more into that. And now that he's finished off Clerks, he might never do a feature again. But if he does, I'll still be there for it. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, um, I remember watching the documentary, The People versus George Lucas, which came out a couple of years after the prequels, when it was still cool to hate the prequels the star wars prequels and it was about an hour and a half of people slagging off the prequels and then at the, the end prequels are shit they are shit and then at the end they said so what do you think about george lucas oh he made shit. star wars i love him so after an hour and a half so i i want to sort of cap off my thoughts like i really didn't like this but i really like kevin smith and i'm there for whatever he does next and will be there for the next one no matter how bad this film is it just he'll always be one of the good guys and that for that i can appreciate even if i don't really like his films anymore fair enough i think that's a good place to end it and on that note here's an advert break and i'm not going to let callum say i'll buy that for a dollar <laughs> i'm going to pause him speak to you in a minute 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back from the advert break. Uh, yeah, see, I've paused it. You can't yeah, say I'm, buy I'm, that for a dollar. I'm so anyway, we are on to now Red State. So Red State is uh, an interesting one. He, uh, Kevin Smith took a, quite a break for a while from doing anything Jay and Silent Bob related. He, for a while, he had some ambitions to try and do something a little bit different. And uh, this film is a Red State set in the heartland of America, middle America. A group of teenage boys, um, they discover a website where they think that they can uh, have sex with a lonely middle-aged woman. And, you know, they're being stupid teenage boys they decides to take this person up on their offer and all throughout the start of the film it's um you see a, a protest group a hate group uh, similar to west road baptist church but the implication is that they're 10 times worse but it's kind of west Bo meets meets wait, um uh, branch davidians yes. almost and uh, so they're called uh, Cooper's, they're part of Cooper's Dell. And the uh, main guy played by Michael Parks is a guy, a guy called Aben Cooper, who's sort of like the patriarch of this uh, horrible family of people who protest soldiers' funerals and use horrible slurs against gay people. And it turns out that when these teenage boys go to meet this woman, soon as they have a drink, she gives them some drinks and they fall unconscious. The drinks have been spiked and they wake up and they're all in one of them is in a cage. Two of them are uh, tied up in the basement and uh, Aben Cooper is there in Cooper's Dell where they all are about to deliver a sermon about how God hates that slur against gay people which i won't say and there on the cross in the middle of the room is a homosexual man that they've kidnapped and they're about to murder him and this is kevin smith's first foray into like we said kind of a horror movie but then at about the one third mark clearly this is influenced by uh, fargo it's very influenced by fargo in the same much in the same way that fargo uh, changes its protagonist about half an hour, but a third of it, the way into the movie. That's when um, John Goodman 
shows up as part of a um uh kind of a, a special agent, atf atf alcohol agent. tobacco and firearms and uh they're about to based on the tips that they've been give, given um because of a uh, a shooting there at um cooper's dell they have to investigate and it all goes very wrong in a sort of waco like manner very quickly and it's about at that point when the genre goes are we an action movie are we a horror movie who knows we're all the exploitation movies so johnny what did you think of red state the first thing that i need to say is that don't forget callum that you are in this movie <laughs> yeah so this has been a run, uh, running gag for a while callum plays a character called billy ray that's one of the three young lads um and yeah so check it out he is in this movie i'm told that i look a lot like nicholas braun which i'll take i like nicholas braun a lot you know succession slightly slightly schlubbier nicholas braun yeah. some would say <laughs> some would say accurately yeah, well, I mean, Nicholas Bourne's pretty gangly, I suppose. He's, so. he's taller. He's like 6'5 or something like that, and I'm, I'm not that tall. But, but anyway, you are Nicholas Bourne. Anyway, it's about the first thing he's ever in. Um, but anyway, what did I think? I have seen it before, saw it when it first came out. I watched it again for this. I've seen it a couple of times in between, which would indicate that I don't dislike it. In fact, I quite like it. I actually think it's Kevin Smith's most interesting movie i don't think it's his best movie that's chasing amy um but i think it's his most interesting movie from a point of he's never really done anything else that's like it since because as you say it kind of starts off as a horror movie in that you know three lads go out into the woods and get captured by some people and then it turns into a bit action a bit there's there's a bit of politics thrown in there as well there's a bit of you know it kind of it does a few different things it's a bit genre i, I, I don't know if i want to quite call it genre bending it's not quite um it's everything everywhere all at once maybe it, it yeah uh, it does one then kind of does the other um it also is does some very interesting things with the camera which is kevin smith's not known for he's normally known for plonking the camera down and recording people talk um michael park is fantastic in it um he is very menacing he's very believable when he goes off on these big kind of rants as the these fred phelps types teams seem to do because they think the sun shines out of their asses um and um uh, john goodman's great in it Ooh, some of the secondary acting's a bit so-so in points i'm not melissa leo's biggest fan either never been a melissa leo fan of I, no. I, don't, I don't like her <laughs> but but it all kind of works um you get some mainly from the kevin smith character some good uh sorry the kevin smith character from the um john goodman character you get some quite good kevin smith-esque dialogue at points um he says what not and which is a, such a kevin smith thing to say at one point and i'm like that's kevin smith that's he's just writing his own things <laughs> um and I think, yeah, I think overall it works. It's Again, it's it's quite tight. It doesn't feel too long at any point, really. Um, and, which I don't say very often, as regular listeners of this podcast will know. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's funny at points. I think it's scary. Well, scary is not the word I'd use, but it's kind of, yeah, keeps you in tender hooks at points. I think it's interesting at points. Yeah, I think it works. What about you? Yeah, same. I don't have a lot to with it i mean if i don't give it the most high rating in the world it's just because uh, maybe it could have been done slightly more successfully rather than anything being done wrong per se if that makes sense um no i i think i agree with you on, on a lot of stuff i think it is tight it's about 90 minutes long 
all the acting uh, ranges from pretty good to actually very good. Um, it does flip around a bit, but not in a way that's sort of where you kind of say, oh, hold on, stick to a genre. In fact, it's sort of welcome when it becomes a, a bit of an action film. It, they yeah, they find a right part to change it. And it's around the same part when um, uh, they introduce the uh, John Goodman character. Uh, yeah, I think uh, everything about it, it I, I like that it's um, it seems to be a proper exploitation movie. So they, I think he was influenced probably a bit because I know he's friends with Quentin Tarantino. And this is around, just not long after... Uh, he did a Grindhouse. Quentin Tarantino did his half of Grindhouse. Death Proof. Problem with Death Death Proof though is that it's never felt like a, a proper Grindhouse film. No matter no. how many grainy filters he puts over it, it just doesn't feel it's too high budget. Too That's high budget, problem. and and it's just too boring, frankly. Uh, but I think Kevin Smith is nothing if not you know he's influenced by the Coen Brothers a lot here. He's influenced by his old friend uh, Quentin Tarantino. And I think that he's made a more successful Grindhouse film. It has a mm-hmm. um, an urgency to it um, that I, I like, that it seems to be uh, reliant on genre tropes without being derivative. Well, it was incredibly independent. It was He scraped the money together himself. I think it. he made it for about $4 million, which at the time is yeah, something a tiny budget, there. really. Um, considering the level of actors in it as well, like oh, yeah, and, uh, Goodman would get he's, a bit. And he's stuff. a guy like um, you know, he's got a lot of goodwill in Hollywood. People like him, as we mentioned before. Mm. He'll get a lot of work throughout his life just because people like him. And one of the but he but that actually, ironically, at the time, I think he the reason he went and did this by himself was he had a couple of big flops. He had Jersey Girl was a pretty big flop. Yes, it was. And then he went and did that awful cop out movie. He did um, with, uh, Bruce Willis, it, it with Bruce Willis down very well. No, it was it's fucking terrible. And he didn't die. He, he didn't write it, which probably is the mistake. Maybe if he'd have been allowed to go over the script, it might have been at least mildly funny. Um, it just it wasn't a good movie. And then he went on this kind of rampage and had a burnt a lot of bridges and burnt a lot of bridges with um, reviewers. He did. And I remember he, didn't he, want he to got very it. angry at film critics and saying yeah. it's not made for you. It's not Schindler's Cop Out, which is never a good look. And I kind of think because of that, he went out and I think he was actually struggling to get together and a, you know, to get money together to make movies. And I actually think this was a bit of a rebirth for, for him. And he kind of built, which he's, most of his movies since have, but he hasn't really done that many studio movies since most of his movies. Oh no, he did a couple after this. He did do yeah. a couple, but most have been self, most of his movies have been self-released of late. Well, it probably should be said as well that um, not, so long after this uh he made a couple of films with the weinstein company and then everything that happened with the weinstein company mm-hmm. and i think of all the people in hollywood who said i oh, know i had no idea that harvey weinstein was doing these things but that you always have a little bit of suspicion with a lot of these people like with you know ben affleck and quentin tarantino when kevin smith said that he didn't know I believe that he didn't know. I kind of feel the difference, though, is Kevin Smith's movies were never massively high budget and massively high stakes. So I never got the feeling that Harvey Weinstein was hanging around the set. But with like Tarantino's movies yeah. and things, Harvey Weinstein was also, there. Also, he on made the them a lot in New York and New Jersey. So he could sort of, he, uh, Harvey Weinstein could give him a few million and he'd go and make them and then come back. But I think the fallout of the Harvey Weinstein thing, I know that's a little bit after this, meant that uh, it's a little bit of a tangent, but I'll get back onto the film, that he didn't want to make studio films ever again. Well, that's well yeah but i think that, that i don't think that's going to do with this really. no no it's a but, bit, bit later than this 
But what's one thing that's quite interesting in this actually, and again, I think it shows that Kevin didn't really know what was going on with Harvey Weinstein, was when he made this, he called he called his production company the Harvey Boys. Yes. Because he was like, Oh yeah, Harvey Weinstein taught me how to 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 make movies, how to you yes. know, how to get them financed, how to do that. And he did it as a badge of honor. Although he massively fell out with Harvey Weinstein actually over this movie at the because the, uh, um, at the premiere. Sundance Film Festival he auctions the rights to this movie off and then immediately sold them to himself, which annoyed people. I well, no, but that. previous to that, so apparently when he started filming this movie, Harvey Weinstein got up, answered his phone, and was standing in the hallway yelling at someone, and That's you could right. hear it. And you could uh, hear he it actually told him to shut up. Yeah. So I think actually him and Harvey Weinstein fell out that's after good. this movie. Well, which that's is a... something to like Kevin Smith more about. He <laughs> more, yeah, told off exactly. Harvey Weinstein. But um, like, I've done this by my fucking self. I don't need you anymore. But to get back Fuck on you, track, we have gone on a bit of a tangent. Yeah. Funny though. Was, I think it was one that was needed. Uh, that, yeah, I think it was, uh, just to kind of clear the air on that. Um, I like uh, that uh, this film, when it does do horror, it is genuinely unnerving. It's the, I, I tried counting shocks um uh, jump scares there weren't any uh it's not like that and the scariest scene in this film i think is there's a scene where there's kind of a steady cam shot as a camera attached to one of the boys as he breaks free and tries to run out of the house and he's going through all the doors that he can and they're all uh padlocks and i remember the first time i saw that i actually felt a little bit of a shiver in my gut um and so when when he does commit to doing horror there's some quite well accomplished kind of nerve jangling stuff and then when it becomes an action movie actually for me when it becomes an action movie it's slightly less interesting uh because then there's a lot of shooting and it it, uh but i think i'm the other way around because i think as as well as the horror is done i think it doesn't really do much out of normal horror tropes whereas when it goes into the action stuff i'm not so bothered about the shooting and things but i quite like i quite quite like how it goes into kind of almost like a coen brothers like burn after reading yes. kind of style movie where well, they're people have having noted, a bit of a go at the government and stuff well, exactly people have that noted there. that the last scene when john goodman is giving his post-mortem about the whole oh it's, it's whole lifted thing. right it's out right. of burn after reading which is like two years prior prior yeah exactly and the whole thing about introducing john goodman at the 40 minute mark or whatever it is that's you know he was watching fargo going i'm gonna do me some of that mm-hmm. but it seems again sincerity has been the word of the day and we don't get the um idea that kevin smith is trying to pilfer the coen brothers i think he just genuinely likes their films and said oh, i think i can do something a bit like that you know so yeah. again it, it's not out of some desire to sort of you know snake their ideas i just think that he's likes that, those films and uh as a i always think it felt like he, for his whole career we'd make kevin smith movies and it was like he went you know what i want to make a movie of all the stuff that i really enjoy and just throw it all into one movie and he kind of absolutely that's what he did and yeah it's, it's a bit of a melting pot that's of a why movie. it's sincere although you kind of you could say oh well, that's stolen from horror and that's stolen from coen brothers and that's stolen from i don't think it is that it's just they're the things he's interested in and he's just sat down one day probably in about 10 days knowing him and just bashed out this script and gone absolutely there's a chef's kiss another tiny flaw in and actually all of kevin smith's even his good films have this overwritten dialogue with the speech that um, michael parks gives near the beginning it's about the age of eternity it's like oh my god you could trim this down just a little tiny yeah bit. i mean that's the one thing if i was to cut five minutes from the movie it would have been michael, michael Park giving his 
rambling and i know it's like it's a narcissistic guy he's an, a villain he's trying to you know he's doing his uh big speech about how god does not love everybody but kevin smith always does this it's always overwritten dialogue but but i also think it's a bit of a kill your babies thing yeah in that i'm sure kevin just was watching it going i can't cut any of this i yeah, fucking love absolutely. it he's just so good blah, 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 blah. And, the, and i think that's again, part of that it. comes from that sense sincerity he just exactly. he loved watching michael park's work and again it's just it's really hard to dislike the guy it really is like you can't you can't dislike him he, even if you really dislike one of his movies he's just a genuine dude i agree no i i i think although it's flawed and it's not like perfect and like you say the dialogue's not great at times although overall it's good the acting there's a couple of holes but overall it's good to good great it's maybe a little tonally whiplashed and kind of feels a bit put two movies put together at times but also that's quite fun as well because you don't get bored and it's nice and tight and yeah you know there's not much wrong with it like you say i'm probably not gonna give it it's, we'll come to scores in a bit but it's probably not going to be a 10 out of 10 for me either but i would yeah, would, yeah. Would, would guess and um and like i said it's not that's because i think it's missing it, it does feel like it's missing a, a little spark it does yeah, feel like right. it doesn't it doesn't just 100 percent gel together perfectly it's, it's not that it's missing anything in particular it does all the things right it's just there's something that they yeah. you know it doesn't quite go up to the line that you want it to it's like more. it's like buying a uh two pounds pizza from a supermarket versus a going out to a restaurant for a nice pizza. Yeah. All the ingredients are there. It still tastes pretty good and you're still going to be fairly happy at the end of it. But you can be happier. Yes. And yes, I think exactly. That's it. Exactly. I think whereas, that's right. Whereas um, uh, maybe Clerks 3 is more like you've got a bit of bread and put some tomato ketchup on it and throwing some cheese on it and throwing it in the oven and hope yeah. for the best. Yeah. To use to, to to make that analogy to and take stretch it to a metaphor exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that probably brings us on to the scores on the doors. Another shooting stars reference there. <laughs> Full of them today. Um, so, Callum, what are you? What's your mm. your wrap up summary and score out of ten for Clerks Three? I'm going to have to be quite harsh. I really didn't like it. And it's got worse the more I think about it. And the flaws are just magnified the more I think about it. And I really wanted to like it because of how much I like the characters and have goodwill for this history and how much, I, you know, Clerks meant a lot to me growing up. And now it's dead to you. It's not dead to me. It's just the Clerks will always be good. But um, this is the product of a man who wants to show you his baby pictures and where you're really bored and go, oh, yeah, yeah, baby. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a three out of ten, I think. Wow. Yeah, I, was, I just really didn't like it. I didn't want to see one more montage of someone crying. And, you know, I know you mean it. You're not Ricky Gervais, okay? Thank you for not being Ricky Gervais. But still, Jesus Christ, man. Jesus, enough of the crying and the hugging and the learning. Well, I liked it a lot more than that. I thought it made me laugh at times. I like the sincerity of it. I like the characters just from history. I thought it was fairly well put together until the last act. Um, I think if you are a Kevin Smith fan, you'll probably find something to like about it. So on that basis, I'm going to give it a five out of 10. So, you know, not, not world beating score, but I think, yeah, I think it's fine. And that's closer in line with the critics. who got a 50 on Metacritic. 
Exactly. Because I'm always right. <laughs> um, anyway, um, on to Red State. What is your summary and your score for Red State? It's a very likable um, genre a flipping movie that uh, seems to take a bite out of their exploitation apple and do it a lot more accurately than the films purporting to be so uh, from Messrs. Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, the Grindhouse films. Um, solid performances. Um, the action is solidly handled, which is something that's uh, not usually said from Kevin Smith and uses camera work in some clever ways, which he wouldn't, doesn't usually do and probably won't do again afterwards to create some pretty decent nerve jangling moments so i think a seven overall yeah i would agree i think it it's fairly tight overall well acted interesting story it's really kevin kind of i feel like blowing some cobwebs off um interesting camera work like you say for it has that kind of like low budget horror feel about it that I feel like now if someone made this film, it would be released by like um, Bloomhouse or A21 or that kind of thing. And A24. I think, A24, sorry. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, you know, I could see see it coming out from someone like that. Um, so again, I, I'm i going to give it a seven. I, was, I mean, I'm between an eight and a seven. But I do think it, if, if we had half on this podcast, which we very much don't, it probably would get a seven and a half in my head. It's just a bit rough around the edges. And I think that's quite consistent with a lot of you know you don't watch many four million dollar horror movies and go that was absolutely perfect yeah. there's nothing well, outside of like get out and things constructed masterpiece that four million dollar horror movie was exactly because you don't have time to do 10 takes you don't have as much long time in the edit suite you you have to kind of cut and edit around things and stuff and then, you know so there is always going to be some level of you know your, your secondary actors might not be the best so you're always going to have some level of compromise and i think for, for the movie that it is as I said, I kind of think it's his most interesting movie. Um, and I definitely think people should watch it. Yes, agreed. Very much agreed. It's a very likable film. Absolutely. So, after our Kevin Smith-a-thon, um, why don't you all go on Instagram and tell us what you think? Have you seen Red State? Have you not seen it? Do you like Kevin Smith? Do you know who Kevin Smith is? Are you going to go out and watch Clerks tonight for the first ever time? Good Let luck finding tonight. it. You'll find Clerks 3. I'm not sure where Clerks 1 and 2 is. <laughs> Yeah, please don't watch Clerks 3 without having watched at least one first. Yeah, you could be very confused. And disappointed. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you one and all for listening again. Um, I hope I haven't been too croaky this week as I'm still slightly suffering. Um, but yeah. Yes, thank you everyone for listening. Cheerio and bye. See you later. Bye. bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.